Can I have a snack? Is often echoed across the kitchen as one of the parents stands in front of the stove, working hard to prepare a delicious meal. My wife, when this happens, will often gently respond, No, I'm working on supper right now. I'm sure that given the chance, the child would prefer a, a Pop-Tart or some other snack of, or a piece of candy immediately and would spoil their dinner and would spur in all the hard work that had gone into preparing them a delicious and nutritious meal. Sometimes if we don't work for something, it can be easy to take it for granted or even turn aside from it. Might this ever happen with the goodness of our God and the gifts that he has prepared for us? Well, that's what Joshua was concerned about as he spoke to the people, as we see in Joshua chapter 23. And Joshua gives them there some important reminders and warnings. And as we look at these words today, we also see important truths for us as we consider all the goodness that our God has done for us. See, the, the Lord himself has fought for us to give us rest. Joshua is living at a, a time now when Israel has experienced a new era this is a time of peace and of rest. It says here, The Lord had given Israel rest from all its enemies all around. Joshua had led them for about 30 years through the land and had driven out all the surrounding armies and nations. They were fortified cities, ones which were so powerful that about, 50, about 70 years earlier, when the people went through the land, Joshua and the other scouts that scouted out the land saw fortified lands and strong cities so that all save Joshua and Caleb said that it would have been impossible to take the land. But God had fought for them. Now, at this point, some people might say, well, is that even fair that God would give the land of Canaan to the Israelites and he would give them rest from their enemies when the land originally belonged to the Canaanites? And yes, you might think that, but... God had actually given the Canaanites, with their evil practices, 600 years to repent. But when the Israelites stepped across the Jordan River, the jig was up. God's judgment had come, and he told them that the Israelites were going to take that land for themselves as God's instrument of judgment on the wickedness of its inhabitants. So back to our main point, God had fought for them. When the Israelites crossed the Jordan, the waters divided on each side, and it became very clear that the Lord was fighting for Israel. It says here, as Joshua is now old and advanced in years, he reminds the people one last time that God had fought for them. He says, You yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done for you against all these nations. Yes, the Lord your God was fighting for you. Joshua had led them, but it was really the Lord who was fighting their battles. And they had all seen that. None of them could deny this. In fact, not only had God separated the waters to show he was with them as they entered into the land for the first time, as a nation, they saw how God did everything. With their own eyes, they witnessed fortified cities like Jericho come crumbling down, not by their own strength or fighting, but by the Lord's working. It even says at one point that during a battle, the sun in the sky stood still so that Israel could finish the battle and win the day. It was unmistakable. God had fought for them. God had delivered their enemies into their hands and given the people of Israel this land to live in. 
And so they took its cities, its lands, its fields, its cultivated areas, its wells, and everything was all handed over to them because God had handed it to them. Joshua needed to remind the people of this. And so after he reminds them, the Lord has fought for you, he also needs to remind them that God wants them to now hold fast to him. He says, See now, you who are entering the land, this land which extends so great, you must be resolute in carrying out all that is written in the book of the law of Moses by not turning from it to the right or to the left, by not intermingling with these nations that remain with you. Do not ever call on or swear by the names of their gods. Never serve them, never bow down to them, but hold fast to the Lord your God, just as you have been doing to this day. Joshua essentially gives them a sevenfold exhortation, a sevenfold warning not to turn aside from the Lord, to spurn his gifts and turn aside to these people and their idols. To not mingle, not just be with them, but not to go with them spiritually and to follow their false practices for which he destroyed so many of them. The sevenfold warning sounds pretty strong. God's saying, don't worship their gods, don't call on the name of their gods, don't turn aside from your God, don't swerve to the right or left from his word, don't worship these false gods or call on them or serve them. You might look at that and say, well, why would they? Why would the people of Israel ever turn aside from the God who had given them the victory, who had done so much for them when they'd seen and heard all that God had done? You might say that. But Joshua himself had seen what happens to the human heart. When Joshua was young, he had seen how the Lord had allowed the people of Israel to walk through the waters of the sea and escape their enemies who had enslaved them. He had seen how God provided them food from heaven and God had given them water from the rock to drink, how God had done so much for them to set them free and rescue them but how the same people who saw the plagues which crushed Egypt and the deliverance God had given turned aside from that God. They did not hold fast to him. You might say, how can this happen? But that's the state of the human heart. When you are given something and it is freely given to you and someone else is doing the fighting for you, it can be easy to spurn such a gift and to turn aside from it. That's what Israel did with their God. You know, my my wife and I have lived in 10 different neighborhoods since we've been married. And there's one of our past neighbors who experienced something that is a powerful reminder that the human heart is quick to spurn a gift freely given. You could tell he was devoted to his wife as he worked hard on building an expansion for his house. His wife had to do nothing but watch him day after day be so devoted to her in building a a marvelous extension onto the house so she could be happy and comfortable. Only she didn't stick around to enjoy that gift. She left him and spurned all the devoted hours and love that he had shown by working so hard on that home improvement project. That's the human heart. And it happens not just by the people of Israel and in this world, it happens with people between them and their God and the gifts that God has given. Joshua told the people, with good reason, hold fast to the Lord. 
The idea of holding fast is the same picture in scripture of something that's sticky or clings to. God even uses it when he's describing the institution of marriage as a husband and wife cling to and stick to one another. And so he says, hold fast, cling to the Lord your God. Have you found yourselves at times maybe not holding quite so fast to God as you begin to maybe take his gifts for granted? How many Christians aren't there who have heard of and seen the goodness of their God, who have tasted of his goodness, and who know all the things he's done and yet begin to loosen that grip so they're not clinging to their God and no longer holding fast to him, but loosely holding on to him, or maybe eventually even letting go? What can happen in the human heart is the gift is freely given, so it's easily spurned. The reminder that Joshua gives the people here, hold fast to the Lord, needs to be echoed for every generation. You and I need to recognize that God says here, don't turn aside from following his word. Don't veer to the right or to the left, as Joshua says here, from God's word. Might we be holding on to God and his word by saying, well, maybe I could just veer a little bit to the right or a little bit to the left of this part of God's word and it won't matter so much. Is that holding fast? Or we might begin to think, well, I'm not calling on the name of false gods or bowing down to them and serving them, but I'm comfortable intermingling with the gods of this world, the false idols of wealth and the idolatry of self-indulgence. And maybe we might say, well, I'm not, you know, intermingling spiritually with the world around me. But some people might find themselves dangerously intermingling as they ask, is the person I'm dating someone who loves and serves the Lord? Or is it someone who defies and rejects the Lord? Is the person I'm considering to date that I might marry someday someone I can intermingle with without intermingling with false beliefs? And ultimately, someone has to decide, am I going to hold fast to the Lord? Or am I going to hold fast to this person that I might marry? and their beliefs. God speaks to his people here through Joshua as he says, watch out. The Lord has fought for you. See to it that you hold fast to the Lord and don't turn aside from him who gave you so much. Still today, you and I need that reminder because when we turn aside from the Lord, we reject his good gifts for what is in comparison worthless. And the one who turns aside and spurns the gift of God, will eventually find themselves like those before Joshua's generation who spurned his goodness and found themselves dying in the wilderness without God's goodness and without his gifts. Many of them dying under his judgment because they rejected the God who fought for them. How do we hold fast to God? It starts by the the very same thing that Joshua does here by remembering what he has done for us. Joshua begins by reminding the people, the Lord has fought for you. The Lord himself has fought for you. Those words are echoed still today for God's people, generation after generation. The name Joshua means the Lord is salvation. You might be familiar with the Greek version that writes out this word, Joshua. Jesus, the Lord is my salvation. In order that you and I might be free, 
and freed from the darkness of slavery, that we might be free from the curse that we lived under, that we might be free from all of our enemies, as we saw last week, the devil himself. God fought for us to bring us the victory. The picture that we see in scripture is not just Joshua leading the people to victory, but Jesus, the one who Joshua foreshadowed. Jesus comes to win the full victory as we cross through the waters of our baptism and we enter into a new place and a new life. It's a beginning of a new era for the people of God who have been baptized. As in that new life, they live under the goodness of God and his promises. They receive an inheritance from him as they're adopted into his family. And they have a promise of a new land and a perfect place to live with Christ to fight this victory for us. Jesus, the Son of God, came to fight our battles. We could not fight it. But we only had to stand back and watch as he did the wonderful, miraculous act of salvation for the people. Jesus crushed our enemies and defeated all who opposed his kingdom. As he died on the cross and the devil was crushed underfoot, God fought our battle for us. And we have heard and seen the goodness of God who promises far more than that. Joshua told the people, the Lord will continue to fight for you. Our God rose to life and in victory over death, over sin, and over the devil, the living Jesus continues to fight our battles for us. Daily he protects us and he promises he will bring us safely into his kingdom. Those who trust in the Lord and who hold fast to him and his promises have victory and they live securely with the rest that he has promised. Israel had rest from their enemies. We have rest from sin, death, and the devil and eternal peace under Jesus. You see how the Lord has fought for you. Joshua had to remind the people of that. You know, this was the the only generation that we really see in scripture that's credited with doing this. They hold fast to the Lord. It's repeated on the pages of scripture that that same generation that Joshua spoke to did hold fast to their God. They did not bow down to the false idols around them. They did not swerve to the right or to the left from the word of God. They listened to carry out the word of the Lord. And they called on the Lord's name and they served the Lord their God. Striking how they're one of the few generations that we see which is entirely credited with doing so in Scripture. And isn't it because Joshua, speaking the word of their God, reminded them that the Lord had fought for them? Still today, the power to hold fast to our God is found in those words The Lord has fought for you. The Lord has won the victory for you. The Lord has promised rest for you. And with that in mind, those words are echoed for you and all of God's people today. Hold fast to the Lord who has fought for you. Continue to, without swerving to the right or to the left, hold to his word. Continue without treasuring, fearing, or loving, or trusting in other things in this world, whether it's wealth or other people. Put God first. Treasure his gifts, treasure his word, and hold fast, sticking, clinging to him as the God who has fought for you, 
who has won for you his rest. Because we know that soon that time will come when that rest will be fully ours. And soon will be that day when the dinner bell will ring, supper will be ready, and we will come and see what our God has prepared, the eternal wedding feast for his bride, for his church, who trusted and held fast to him. The Lord has fought for you to give you his rest. Amen.